I like to joke about the man box, which is like you can only be a man if you fulfill these certain qualities and you stay within this mm-hmm. this square of like you're in your man box and you're safe in the man box. And something about for some men about going near feminism is is a step out of the man box. The most important thing any white feminist can do is educate herself and listen and engage with the experiences of women of color without silencing them. Because sometimes as white ladies, we just have to shut the fuck up. I hate Katy Perry. I hate Natalie Portman. Stop fighting with it's me. It's relaxed. Stop fighting with me. Stop fighting. All right. Okay. I'm not fighting. Part of feminism is the freedom to let other women make choices you don't necessarily understand. So while you may not want to walk out with like tape like X's on your nipples and booty shorts, that may be the strong feminist choice for another woman. And even if you can't imagine yourself in her shoes, part of your job as a feminist is just to support her. Welcome to Last Man on Earth. My name is Lex Jurgen. As always, I'm flanked by Matt Ralston. Matt is currently walking out on a school. Walking on your school today, Matt. To protest the violence of really small women against very big men. The evidence for this phenomenon seems entirely anecdotal and personal to Matt's own life story. Still, hashtag support. But they're doing another walk. Th- I thought they were doing a walkout for the gun thing. They're doing a walkout for the gun thing. I was making fun of how you get attacked by small women. Oh. Uh, my theory on how to cure gun violence is if the kids who walk out of school just never go back. <laughs> There'll never be another school shooting. I mean, it seems to me. I, I obviously uh, I don't know how where you stand on gun violence. I'm against gun violence. I don't know where you stand. Are you for or against gun violence? Um, I don't like seeing people get shot. Yeah, me neither. So I'm kind of against gun violence. <laughs> uh, well, actually, depend who the victim is, I guess. Uh, but it seems to me there's a lot of protest marches these days. Like a lot. There's another one. The women's march was last week. There's another women's thing next week. It's a lot of like, this seems to be the new just sort of social activity for people is just marching and protest marches. I don't see people marching that often around. No, they, don't, like, they actually don't really march in the marches. They just hang out like in <laughs> Pershing, Pershing, Pershing Square and get high, I think. Yeah. They make signs. They think their kid, they give their kids really rude adult-oriented signs to get attention from the media. Like your kid, their seven-year-old holds a, a fuck Trump sign and you get like on, on TV. Right. And this is like a blur it out. I don't know. It just seems to me there's... I feel we have a lot more more days to leave work or leave school to go protest than we used to have before. And I think it's just taking the place of sick days and, and or, like, happy hour. Dude, if I had a job or I was in school, I would leave for any reason yes, whatsoever. Like, if you told me we were protesting, like, um, you know, the fact that 7-Eleven uh, has this new... Uh, flavor slurpy that's like derogatory towards minorities or something i'd be like oh, yeah, a, totally a, on board with they that. told all the schools told the students they will not be punished for leaving school who the fuck's gonna stay i mean who's not who's not leaving then well some fascist fucker in uh texas told them they'd be suspended for three days if they left uh for the gun protest. yeah but the kids in texas they love the guns it doesn't really matter to them <laughs> this week's last minute earth podcast is sponsored by the late stephen hawking's last words Stephen Hawking's last words. According to reports, Hawking said, in order to save the planet, we must 
beep, 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 beep. <laughs> faded and faded out. Then he was gone. Stevens Hawking's a cagey bastard to the end. <laughs> you imagine what he said at the end? Like, I have the key to save the planet Earth, and ah. Did that really happen? No, it didn't oh. happen. <laughs> it just seems like something he would do. He was a very dramatic guy. He was a pervert. He was? Well, uh, pervert's not the right word. He liked to, you know, he liked to get his, his dick touched. He uh, is, that, is that what you're calling perversion? <laughs> is that what you're calling perversion now? He was a promiscuous is what I really? should have said. Yeah, he cheated on his wife with this caretaker, and then she divorced him, which I think is kind of a bullshit move. Like, you guys aren't having hot, steamy sex, for Christ's sake. No. Like, can you really cheat job. if you're in, like, a, if, you're, if you're a quadriplegic, can you really cheat that? Well, I, I think the... Can't you claim victim status? Can't you claim victim status in every single instance? Someone else gives you a hand job that's cheating, but yeah, I would have just been like, he can't resist. Yes, yeah, I've been like, I didn't want that hand job. <laughs> no, of course not. And she could go back and check the transcript of your thing. I did not know that about hawking. That was uh, that's great. Uh, I actually like him a little better now. Now I feel bad he's dead. Was he doing that till the end? Yeah, he would go to strip clubs quite a bit. Really? Yeah, there's a lot of photos of him with, uh, you know, ladies of the night. I guess you could say. Did he? Did he? Uh, so he could feel his uh, genital region. Yeah, it's just the uh, kind of the large, like, you're, I don't know the specifics, but your dick is not like a... Connected to yours. It's not like a large muscle. It's more like skin, you know? So he couldn't, he couldn't feel his arms or legs, but he could feel his dick? Yeah. That's a huge punishment. That's, that's a really, <laughs> that's no way to live. If you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter at Last Man Podcast or on Facebook, also Last Man Podcast. All right, on to the show. Uh, Matt, this is a topic near and dear to your heart. The rise of the beta male. Uh, <laughs> this is the rise of beta male is defined by Hollywood and its attempts to feeble label and label men as dumb fucks. Have you noticed that Hollywood uh, tends to label adult males as idiots who are hapless fools who can't take care of themselves? Yeah, it seems like any kind of like straight guy is just a, a bumbling idiot. Like on every show, even though he's like paying the mortgage, they're like, oh, this idiot doesn't know how to do anything. And it's the like, sitcom dad who's always like, a cartoonist <laughs> he's always like he's always got some real soft like sort of job as well he's like artistic creative in some way but he's always like paunchy heavy set and an, idi- and an idiot totally and every commercial too um you know the guy's just a, a total dumb fuck i don't even think they they want to cast like attractive men anymore it's, no. it's got to be always the weird receding hairline guy um it's the guys from the sonic commercial yeah i think he's in 75 different commercials that guy yeah. yes and he's always like the guy, and they, I saw, I, I went to a website where they had just images of guys and wives and commercials for home, pro, for domestic products, uh, and it's like almost always the same looking guy, you're right, receding hairline, bumbling guy with like an unbuttoned shirt, and kind of paunchy, and his wife standing behind him with a dismissive look, like he doesn't know what the, what the hell he's doing, and it's like for anything, he can't take care of the baby, he can't wash the dishes, he can't do the laundry, he can't do anything, and the wife stands behind him with her arms folded, like kind of looking at him like like a mother, like you know, like a, a disappointed mother. Yeah, there's a new one that they've been showing on uh, ESPN a lot during like the tournament games, and it's a uh, it's for Mazda. It's a black guy, um, and he's driving in his SUV, and he gets home, and one of his kids throws a water balloon at him. Oh yeah, no one pays attention to him. That commercial. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And yes. It, it hits him with the water balloon after he's, I presume, been at work because he's wearing like a suit and tie, and he gets this look on his face like. I want to smack this fucking kid. Yes. And then he just like, uh, he's like, ah, oh, yeah, you got me. It's like, <laughs> yes. dude, my dad would have 
beat uh, he wouldn't have beat the shit out of me but he would have been like if you ever do that again i will beat the shit out of you i i will say this i'm not a a, a massive old school disciplinarian but i'm real i am relative to la dads and my kids friends i noticed that be that thing a lot where they're very like they're good kids but they're like talk to adults as if they're like their buddies yeah and they do shit that like my dad yeah would have just whacked the crap out of me <laughs> like if i try to talk to him like he's my buddy you slap him on the back and like make it make a dirty joke <laughs> no way. And I mean, not even, not even at him. Just like if I tried to act like one of the guys when I was twelve, that would have just beat the crap out, beat the crap out of me. Yeah, that just wasn't your, that just wasn't your place. So I sent you that photo of the Hollywood Reporter had the Silicon, the guy, the cast of Silicon Valley on it, and they call it the rise, the triumph of the beta males in Hollywood. It's a very bizarre photo. I don't know what they were going for. They all have their hands in each other's pockets, like yes. they're like jerking each other off, and they're like <laughs> standing in like a like a daisy train type of thing. <laughs> yeah, like have you ever have you ever taken a photo with your hands in another man's uh, front pockets? <laughs> no, I, but I don't even think anyone has. I mean, like it's not like gay guys walk around with their hands in each other's pockets. No, not for photo, not for photo, <laughs> not for photo ops. Here's what I think. Here's what I think. So the beta male. Here's my theory. The beta male is so Hollywood and, and, and a little bit public education, the media, and women as women rise in positions of power. There's some women who just simply hate men, right? Yeah, and they just don't like. They don't like boys. It starts with boys. You, you notice these women, women who don't like boys, girls who don't like boys, and women who just don't like boys. I'm talking about rambunctious, aggressive, ambitious, sort of competitive boys. Mm-hmm. Women just hate these kids, and as they've risen to positions of power, I think they start to like seek to emasculate these men and i mean they don't you don't have to read my five thousand word five thousand word article on this but it's like it's a topic near and dear to my heart because i see it i see it going on because i have kids and they really have like in schools they really have emasculated boys it really is like it's, it's just very obvious from even the time i went to school before you but even the time you were in school it's not just a cliche of getting rid of dodgeball and the participation trophies they really punish the shit out of boys who act out in any way so, like, wrestling around is considered, like, a deadly assault. Any any sort of domineering on the playground, which I think you and I both grew up with on the playground. Yeah. The playground, the, re- the recess playground in, in grade school was just, like, the place to express your, your, your place in the pecking order. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. just some dominant male monkey. Uh. Yeah. It was, like, it was like the Shawshank. It was like the Shawshank courtyard. It was like a prison, <laughs> basically, right? Yeah. You're like, who gets on what step of the prison step? <laughs> so, I mean, people used to literally beat beat each other up to d- express their dominance, or they threw balls at each other, or, like, they picked for teams, and you got picked last, you got picked first. It was a whole, pe- it was a whole natural, like, male pecking order on the, on the yeah, playground. And, and the bus, too, from my recollection, yes. the bus was like, let's see who c- can cry first. Yes. We'll just try and make someone cry. Yeah, and the cool kids sat in the back, and the lame kids sat up front. And, you know, it's good to kind of, you know, adjust that kind of thing. You don't want kids crying and stuff, but, you know, it's come around to where, yeah, just, like, natural sort of boy behavior. Like, first of all, it's just not as natural for a boy to want to sit down, um, for like six straight hours with with five minute breaks, no, that's not a normal thing a boy would do, you know. And they've eliminated, so they've eliminated any chance of like they label all those bull anything anything domineering. They label as bullying. Anything competitive is labeled as bullying. So there's no there's no comp- competition allowed. There's no physical touching allowed. You can't anything to get the aggression out. There's no way to get the aggression natural, out. The natural aggression. Yes, and they punish individual achievement. You know, they they reward group achievement and punish individual achievement. So like finishing first in the race or in sports and things like that is no longer rewarded. So everyone gets rewarded the same. So you don't. There's no like the ambition chain is sort of taken out away. 
So all the ways that boys typically express themselves, hitting, domineering, just running around spastically in circles. I remember those kids, you know. <laughs> the Ramming kids, their head against the wall <laughs> quite, head quite the wall. literally. Yeah. Uh, just mumbling words over and over again, just swearing incessantly for no reason you whatsoever. Like build something and stab it to death with a pencil? Yeah, yes. Like a fruit man or something? Yeah, dis- uh, destroying what the girls have built on the playground. Smashing. <laughs> Smashing, th- throwing balls at each other's heads, tackling, kill, kill the, what was impolitically impoli- descri- incorrect described as kill the queer. That was a fun game, by the way. That was. It became, even during my time, it became kill the carrier. Because I think someone, you know, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, so kill the queer, even back in my day, was politically incorrect. But uh, well, wouldn't it, be- it insinuate that every single person was queer? Because the whole point is essentially everyone touches the ball, and then you well, you called everyone the queer when they grabbed the ball, right? And the whole idea was they were the gay kid, and you beat the crap out of them. Essentially, <laughs> it was largely a, a, a violent homophobic display of <laughs> aggression. And it became, well, even when I was in grade school, it became kill the carrier. So the, whoever was carrying the ball got beat up. Well, I'm sure it didn't get less aggressive at that point. No, it I, did. I don't think you were in it to actually, you know, commit hate crimes. No, I don't think anyone even knew what queer really meant, actually, in third grade <laughs> either. Uh, but that's all gone. So that's all gone. And I just, so, I mean, they've actually removed that and they punish it. And then what they've done is to so the kids that can't stop from doing that, they've started drugging them. Mm-hmm. There's a great Esquire piece. It was a few years ago now. And, like, the prevalence of uh, ADHD and ADD. Uh, diagnoses among boys in schools. It's one in seven kids now in the country before they hit high school will be diagnosed with that and drugged. One that's in a, seven boys. boys. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's 15% of the population. You take the 15% of the most aggressive percent of the population and drug them so that they, you start giving stim- powerful stimulants. How, so how I'm a little confused on that because uh, Adderall, for example, is an amphetamine and it's like essentially a methamphetamine yes so i don't get how that makes you less hyper and aggressive it, it seems it, like to me if you took a guy who was kind of crazy and then put him on meth he would get more crazy no it's yeah it's sort of a counterbalance effect so it has the opposite effect so you get just the come down effect of it oh so you're constantly in like yeah i don't know if you've ever taken taking uh speed or amphetamines i've done but, cocaine yeah but the the, uh, the back side of it when you're coming down from it that's what the kids feel like all the time. Oh, so oh, they're just tired. And they're tired and and sort of and they become depressed. And they become like sort of just like, you know, yeah, they're like all those all those bad nasty side effects of like coming down off drugs is what they're feeling all the time. Hmm. So they, they're but but they're able to learn their history classes or whatever. But think about it, like think about the, the 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 sort of eugenics of this, if you will. You're taking the most aggressive, ambitious. Uh, physically active boys and you're drugging them right Mm -hmm. from age like eight or nine on seven eight or nine on uh, to that percentage of population and then when they get to the the disney shows and tv shows other things like that they're seeing bumbling stumbling male all the boys are stupid all the girls are smart the dads are all morons who are being picked up by the kids the moms are all like having to to lead the dad around by his collar because he's a this is the beta male i mean this is actually the beta male which they're describing as the hollywood report is a triumph of the beta male Mm mm-hmm but what they're confusing, I think, intentionally so, is with tech nerds. Tech nerds are not, you and I talk about this, tech nerds are not beta males. Even no, on the show. They're hyper competitive. <laughs> yes, they're like, they're physically weak, they're physical weaklings. Like, yeah, Jeff Bezos and Zuckerberg were not getting picked first for their football teams. <laughs> and they may be slightly effeminate in their mannerisms. Yeah. You know? But they are vicious motherfuckers. Well, <laughs> on the cast of that show, and by the way, the the only sort of 
classic kind of alpha male was the tj miller character and he was like a total piece of shit yes like kind of a sociopathic uh just an asshole and then also fired for sexual harassment and he was all <laughs> fucking bloated and yes. had a weird hairstyle for no <laughs> apparent reason but i love them <laughs> um no it was a funny character yeah. i mean the show's really funny but the guys all those tech guys except for the tall one that looks like a woman yes uh the camille character and the Erlot or uh the guy with the beard yes um those guys are not uh, beta males at all. They're, no, they're th- desperately trying to get over on women. Yeah, they're they're horny. They're constantly arguing and like sabotaging each other. They're trying to get more money. They're trying to get more money. And to get more mo- yeah, and and they're like and women. If they were beta males, they wouldn't be at the startup. They'd be at, at fucking Panera Bread. Yes, you know they don't. By the way, they don't work with any women. They don't work well with women. They don't want to be with all guys. They do tell dick jokes and sex jokes all the time. They're basically just. They're like male office workers, yeah, Great, t- typical. They're like Weinstein. They're like employees of the Weinstein company, basically. <laughs> but they because they are physically not intimidating. They wear like sweater vests and stuff like that. They're ba- they're described as beta males, but the beta male is really this emasculated, subjugated male who serves equally or lesser than a, a female in a partnership. Right? It's a, it, the, the alpha male or beta male description applies to a partner, a group, or a partnership. It's not a lone independent description. Yeah, it's where you fall in the ranking, right? Compared to somebody else. Yeah, well, usually in the animal kingdom, in terms of physical strength and, and youth, I mean, you're just the strongest male at the time. That's the alpha male, right? But there, I mean, it's not like so you couldn't have like five guys hanging out together, five alpha males. Someone would have to be the alpha male in the group. Well, somebody would be the beta. Yeah, I mean, that kind of thing does go on. I mean, that's why guys start trying to prove themselves it usually ends with either drunken fighting or just them all being really mean to each other or trying to embarrass each other in front of women excessive bicep curls at the gym yeah <laughs> like guys doing guys doing 800 pound leg presses at the gym for, for no well, reason a lot of gambling like yes. uh, you know a lot of um risky behavior yeah like i remember living with this guy uh who i thought was wanted to be an alpha male and he would just constantly be challenging me to things that he was good at, yes. such as darts or like chugging hot beers. For some reason, it <laughs> just stupid shit. Just stupid shit. Yeah. You know, I had a guy, I had a friend, and they had a roommate, male roommate, who was an alpha male, and he would actually not uh, flush the toilet when he took a shit. Mm. And it turns out we uh, they actually went. They kept telling him like, "Dude, you gotta fucking you can't not you can't leave your shit in the toilet all the time." They all shared the same bathroom. And it turns out they did uh, one of the people talked to like a shrink friend of theirs. And it turns out like 4% of the male population will not flush their shit down the toilet. And it's a, psych- it's a psychological thing. It's a dominant thing. They don't even realize they're doing it. It's completely subconscious. Yeah. Well, there, there's, they're literally pissing on their territory. Horrifying, by the way. But uh, there is something you said for someone who sort of biologically has these alpha male traits. But also understands that you know he can rein it in. And but I mean, this is like a completely like they are literally subconsciously pissing on their territory. Yeah, just like I mean, it's basically what the guy with the hot beards was doing, right? He's trying to dominate you to show his 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 superiority in some way. Yeah, uh, and actually, I'd rather do hot beer than have a guy who doesn't leave shit in the shit in the toilet. Me too. But here's the thing: there's a concerted effort when when Hollywood put. I mean, it's not. I think if you, I have a feeling like if you go to like Brian's home state of Wyoming or you go to like. South Dakota, this shit doesn't exist. Like the beta males are still viewed, these, these submissive, soft males are still viewed as lesser than the alpha males. But in the media culture where the media is controlled, like people who own the Hollywood Reporter, 
Which constantly, Brian, you want to talk about uh, getting beat up in in school? No, I just think this obsession with masculinity on the behalf on the part of the alphas just seems kind of gay, doesn't it? Oh no, it's it, uh, there is a it's it's a circle. I think so, it's a circle. So when you go super masculine, you get to gay. It just loops you get right to gay. back around. Yeah, yeah oh, it loops okay. right back. Definitely loops back around. I can see that. And there's a lot of I think a lot of guys express alpha male because they're latently homosexual and they're angry at themselves. Just like uh, you know, self-hating blacks, self-hating Jews, things like that. Yeah. There's a lot of loathing, sort of a loath, a self-loathing because they don't like what they're really what's you know underneath it all. But there is actually, if you just look, I visited, I remember visiting a kindergarten when I, my kid was in kindergarten, public school kindergarten, and I just took a tour of the kindergarten, and there was like, it was middle of class, and like every single boy was looking out the window or actually physically dragging themselves, leaning like a plant towards the door, <laughs> and all the girls were up front paying rapt attention to the alphabet lecture or whatever the hell it was, and they're every, like all 12 boys are just like, literally, you could see their bodies tugging towards the door, towards the windows and the doors, mm-hmm. just like, like they were being tortured, like dying to get out. And the girls are just paying attention. Like, I, I remember that feeling, um, like really vividly. You know, having throughout my entire school career, and you know, I would um, act out a lot. You know, like get kicked just, out, just try and disrupt the class yes. however possible. Um, but I was like kind of pissed off about about having to be there. So they would just drug you. Did they drug you? No, you weren't drugged. You were, you can't before the drugging. No, no, no uh, there were there were kids. I think Sorry my parents were against it, but yeah, like I remember being in a. Uh, this is like a you know a good manifestation of it. Like I was in this mass. They have to go to mass uh, once a week or something, and the, it had this mascot in the case, and it was like a wild animal, it was like a dead ram that was taxidermied. And uh, you sure that your mascot, or is it just Alaskan schools have all those dead animals <laughs> lying around? A little bit of both. Yes. The, the nun said to my mom, "He's like he's, he's not paying attention during this mass." So my mom said, "You know, I was, I was like seven or eight, and she goes, "What have you been doing?" And I go, I'm "Staring at this animal. Yeah, the dead, the dead animal. Like it's so much more interesting yes. than this mass, you know." I said, so "Boys just can't pay attention, but there's." I, as I started saying, there's like there's a the largest the large number of people I think that are trying to emasculate males are well intentioned because they believe they're bringing down all the horrible stats of al- of aggressive males. They believe they're f- countering the rape culture, sexual violence. And by the way, sexual violence is way down in this country. Yeah, it's remarkably down. And I'm willing to admit that part of that is because they've just emasculated a number of males, aggr- otherwise aggressive males. That's a part of it. It's a small, but you're talking about in the numbers of like hundreds or thousands less cases where you're emasculating and drugging millions and millions of boys and, and men, mm-hmm. the scale is completely disproportionate. You're taking, wiping out an entire, trying to wipe out an entire gender, you know, the edge of one certain gender to reduce a small number of violent encounters that are actually declining rather rapidly in the country. It could have a lot to do with this active shooter trend also. Yes. Because, yes. you know, you, you beat it down so much and, and you still want to, get that aggression out uh, but you don't really have an outlet um not to mention you're on drugs and that probably you know fucks well those kids almost all those shooters have been on these uh, adhd or yeah almost drugs. all uh yeah mass shooters are on antidepressants or anti-anxiety which drugs. comes after after so after they take these uh, hyperactivity drugs during their childhood they move on to antidepressants because the offshoot of being lowering your testosterone is depression and anxiety yeah so they then get on these drugs and they turn 19 or 20 and psychosis starts hitting in and they start shooting the shit out of stuff. And it's yeah, and it's a cycle too that just spirals down because 
you know, something's not right. And then you get on, you know, you're not as active. And so you're like chubby and, you know, chicks aren't as into you. And, and uh, you know, uh, and, and now you're just more and more depressed. And now you're, you know, and it just goes downhill from yeah, there. Yeah, the rise of opioid addiction in the country. And then the suicide rates among men are just dramatically higher than they used to be. It's all a whole thing going on. So there's some consequences of that dumb fuck uh, TV commercials they have on there. <laughs> and they say, and like I said, there is a small percentage. It is a smaller percentage, but a very powerful percentage of women in media positions who really just hate men, boys, and school positions as well. Remember the school principal, the women who hated men, who hated boys. They're still there, and now they have the power to do something about it. And it's a scary, it's a scary fucking proposition. And I blame the Hollywood Reporter for having the Silicon Valley guys put their hands in each other's pockets because that's, it's just to me that was just symbolic of this whole thing that's going on. And that it, they would just do that and like think that that was amusing. <laughs> to me, it was just like that, that's like that's just the sort of the zeitgeist of the of, of the modern culture, which is like these are beta males, and now they they look at the vic, look at this great victory for men by wearing plaid golf pants and putting their hands in each other's pockets. It's just like so horrible. Uh, Matt, let me ask you about trannies. Uh, have you dated a tranny before? That's a serious question. <laughs> I don't know. Have you almost dated a tranny before? No. Never once? Never hit on a tranny from behind in a bar? It's um, See, there, I think there's kind of a myth going about that uh, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, I went home with this girl, and it turns out she was a guy. It's like, yeah, I could have told you that within 30 seconds. What, um, do, you, what do you look for? Hands. Yeah. Height. Uh, voice. Chin. Attitude. I don't know. A lot of uh, transsexuals <laughs> the are fact, incredibly the fact she, aggressive. The fact that she would go home with you in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So you think like uh, Eddie Murphy being caught with a tranny prostitute? You think that was uh, he knew that it was a, it was a man? Yes, I think that's kind of just a separate preference yes. that you have, or or you you're into that at the moment. But let's let's drop this whole facade that uh, you don't know. I assume if you see a, a street walking prostitute in, in your part of town. With long hair and heels, it's a man, because I assume ninety nine percent of them are men, right? Uh, About yeah. Well, and it's just really obvious. I mean, how many women do you see dressed up like beauty queens on a random <laughs> Thursday? It's really at a, at a dive bar <laughs> outside a gay bar, outside a gay bar <laughs> with big with big wigs and fake eyelashes. <laughs> Not that many. So uh, here's the thing: so transsexuals are on the march, okay? And uh, they're, they're modeling, they're in the movies, stuff like that. Now they're suing Tinder, which I, I think you do like. Um, Tinder, the dating app where it's... I, I don't know anything about dating apps, to be honest. But I, I believe Tinder is the most what, superficial of all the dating apps. You just swipe until you see good-looking people, right? Yeah. I mean, they do have, like, bios, and I think some people write a lot of stuff. But, um, yeah, the whole point is that you're... Um Looking for a physical match. Yeah, you're just, you're, this person's hot, yes, this yes. person's not hot. <laughs> right. It's a hot, it's what Facebook was when it first started, which is hotter, the hot or not, basically, thing. Yeah. I mean, that's what Facebook was. They were just at, saying whether girls at Harvard were hot or not, which, by the way, I've been to Harvard many times. The, there's no reason for that app whatsoever. There's just are no hot, there's no hot girls. It is all relative, I suppose. There's also on Tinder an explicitly understood thing that you're there to fuck. And so there are, I, I haven't really been on Tinder. I've, I've checked it out, but there, there are chicks that'll have a, a profile that's like, "I'm just here for friends," and everyone's like, "Okay, you're completely full of shit." But uh, you know, it's a nice thing to say. I what guess. good lo- what good looking women are going on dating apps to get to have to get laid? 
Well, that's why they're pretending that they're just there to like chat, like do online chats. But, oh, they're, so they're fake accounts, you mean? No, they're, they're real chicks that don't want to explicitly admit that they're trying to find someone's dick to put inside them. Really? So yeah. So they're like... Why, is it, why, I don't, why does a girl need to go on a dating app for that? Why can't they just go down to the local bar and hook up with a guy? Uh, I think it's a, a numbers thing. Like, you know, you could really... You could probably go through... Like, if you were kind of a superficial type of chick. Yes. You could go through... I wish I were. 200 guys okay to find a handsome guy basically in, in, in a matter of uh an hour is this scary i'd rather be if i was a girl and i could just get laid whenever i wanted to first i probably would all the time but i think i'd rather meet a guy in person than get him off online at least in person i could see a what he really looks like b i could like feel a little safer about the whole thing and all that kind of stuff at least you have witnesses and everything else i mean i don't know dating app seems like a really bad i can't understand any reason why women would ever go on a dating app Seems like a horrible proposition for for women in every encounter. I don't think these are often the most quality of women <laughs> in terms of their kind of mental um, health. So trannies are, uh, if I still use that term, you're not allowed to use that term on Google anymore, by the way. You will get flagged for the word tranny. Um, Google, Google will pull your sites and everything else if you use the word tranny. Just FYI. Uh, it's now one of the blacklisted blacklisted words on Google, which is sad because I feel it's a really funny word and I love using it. So it's not. I don't think I don't think it's intentionally derog. It's not intentionally derogatory. It just seems like a fun nickname for people that are, are transsexual or yeah, transgender. Yeah, you're gonna have to propose like another word, I guess, trans, but it doesn't really you know roll off the tongue that well. No, and also it means something different in Latin. So trannies are now suing Tinder because, uh, well, because Mark Garagos needs work. He's, well, I saw Mark, when I see Mark Garagos as the attorney, I always know it's not a legitimate, it's not a real legitimate civil lawsuit. No. He's the guy who represents every horrible yeah, person yeah, yeah. in Hollywood. Um, so they want the right to have gender-free, to be able not gender-identified on, on Tinder, to say they're, they're not going to identify as a male or female on Tinder. This is like a group of a few trans women, mostly, who mm-hmm. are, um, yeah, they're mad that, uh, that guys see them on Tinder as women, and they're like, Oh, okay. Well, that woman has a penis, so I don't really want to have anything to do with that. Woman. They want they want people with penises to say, have to say they're boys, basically, yeah, instead of girls. Yeah, uh, it seems to me like we talked about the Mac Beggs, the wrestler last time, who wanted to wrestle <laughs> the girl becoming a boy, was taking all the testosterone. Speaking of people with high testosterone, she's doing okay. Um, it seems to me that there's, this is another one of those things where people who are a very small minority of people who are making a, a personal decision. Although called a medical medical diagnosis, although it's not officially recognized, I want to change a lot of things based on their personal preferences. I think Tinder's in the right here, don't you think? Or do you not? Do you not agree? Uh, I do agree with you. Um, I mean, these people are also trolling, basically. You know, I mean, they know that that's not what guys want to see on Tinder. Um, gr- I'm assuming an app you're more familiar with, Grinder, yeah, has all the training. It has tons of trainings, right? It probably has tons of like. <laughs> I've never been on Grinder. Well, I mean, yeah, I would so, assume so. But it's the gay, it's the gay version of Tinder, right? Yeah. So I'm assuming there's a lot of trans, transgender on and transsexuals and transvestites on Grinder. Yeah, because it, right, because nobody would think twice if it, if a dude was wearing a wig and, and heels and makeup and had a dick. Right. But on Tinder, they don't want that. On Tinder, they want to have men and women and not have anything in between. Yeah, which and Tinder is the most. I mean, outside of Grinder, probably it's the most 
upfront thing about you're here to have sex, you know? So, I mean, it wouldn't kill you to, ha- it wouldn't kill you to have a tranny category if you wanted to do that, but they don't want to... What happens... Here's what... You imagine your own Tinder, and then you add the tranny category, then what, what, what comes of that? Well, they would complain about being in a separate category. First, they complain about being a separate category, but then you get all sorts of... Then the, B, the BDSM comes in, the other pimps in, the, the, the bears come in. It's like, you know, it's like... You think, so, like, one less than one half of 1% of people in the country identify as transgender. Yeah. So, it's just like with the wrestling thing. There just seems to be some things... You, if you want to be a man who becomes a woman or lives as a woman or vice versa, there's certain things you have to give up. You have to give up wrestling in Texas in high school, <laughs> and you have to give up t- t- the Tinder dating app, which seems like it wouldn't really work for you anyhow. Uh, and there's a few other things. I mean, you can't... I mean, how much do you bend to a very small minority of people who are asking for big changes to commercial products? Yeah, well, here's the root of this particular problem. So Tinder, their audience is at least 50% straight men like probably more probably i'm more guessing like 90 70 <laughs> yeah, yes. um so guys go on uh tinder and they start maniacally swiping right on every sort of halfway any woman basically yes. is the best strategy because <laughs> yes. then you can match them and just be like oh that, that chick's not attractive i just won't talk to her but the you know the strategy is to get a bunch of matches so guys will start maniacally swiping right and then they will the the trans person will pop up, and then so they'll go to that person, and uh, they will then report them as sort of not being honest because they're like, okay, this is a guy, like it's just a guy in a wig, yes, you know, um, and so those trans people that get reported, they're like account gets blocked, it gets thrown off, uh, suspended for a certain amount of time, and they're like, well, I said in my bio. That I was a trans T girl or something like that. It's like, yeah, but no one's reading that, and so so basically, you're saying all these guys that are reporting you as kind of mm, not being honest as to what this app is about are like blatant homophobes. I don't really agree with that. I I think that you're the one that's not being very honest. I've never used Tinder before, but here's what I think is happening. I think men are swiping right and masturbating. (laughs) <laughs> about the girl, all the girls are going to get, yeah, and then a, a T girl or whatever pops up, and they get really they get really pissed off. Not that they're attractive necessarily, but then a, the girl with the mustache pops up, and it kind of ruins their whole game, and they're they kind of pissed off about it. <laughs> yeah. So the whole point is that to swipe right on like a thousand girls, hoping one responds to you positively. Yeah, yeah, that really sounds fucking lame. How did like twenty million people get on that? How is that worth five billion dollars? I don't understand that. I could have come up with that. Well, shit. they tri- what they do is they. Uh they trick you into subscribing to yeah. it because you only get like a certain amount of likes. Yes. So, and it's from what I understand, it's like, it's not real cheap either. So there's a lot of guys like really banking on this. And I, I think some of the like really good looking ones probably have a lot of success. But. Oh yeah. My buddy, I had a buddy who cleaned up on match.com mm-hmm. like nobody's business. It was ridiculous. He was a, a guy who traveled for work. I don't know if I told you the story. He traveled for work. He, he was a handsome fella. He would uh, put up his thing saying, I'm going to be in town. He traveled all around the country for work. Sing me town for like three days in Jacksonville or whatever. I'm, I just have no one to go to dinner with. Uh, just every single place he went, ridiculous. Just like you know, who's not going to like go to dinner with a handsome guy visiting town? He just had met so many women; it was just utterly ridiculous. What a boss! Yes, <laughs> like and uh, and obviously, like the women know he's like. And then, by the way, it's the best thing ever because you're leaving town in 48 hours. You're leaving town, <laughs> so it's not like you have to go through the whole awkward break. All you go is like, 
yeah, I, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll send you something. And then, by the way, but then they see you on Match.com with your profile still out, right. and they know you're just seeing other women. So it's really, I don't know. I'm kind of glad I came up before this whole online thing. It seems like a really horribly depressing way to meet and have sex. <laughs> I don't know. Especially for women. I don't think, uh, and I don't know, but I don't think a large percentage of hookups are really going through these apps. No. I, I, I really don't. It's all a sham. The whole Ashley Madison thing, it was worth a lot of money at one point. The dating for married people. Mm-hmm. It turned out every, 99% of the women on there were fake, were bots or escorts or the fake things that the company put on there to make it seem like you were meeting women. Yeah. There's no women going on, married women going online to meet married guys. <laughs> like, like, a, no. like that's, our, that's our thing. If a married woman's going to have an affair, she's going to meet a guy at work or somewhere she knows or someone with some self some esteem about them. It's not going to go on a site to meet a guy from Indianapolis who's married and wants to have sex with a married woman. Yeah, they'll, they'll de- they definitely bait you. Like, I remember signing up for Tinder, which I, I really did, honestly, just because I was curious what it was. But I believe um, you, Matt. But does your girlfriend believe you? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, right away, they'll be like, this fucking really hot model. Yeah. And, and it's like, that's obviously fake. But. Yeah. You don't believe that the hot... A lot of guys fall The hot that. ladies in your, a mile from you want to have sex with you? No, nah, but a lot of guys do. A lot of guys are pretty fucking delusional. All right, Matt, we have a new segment this week called Matt Explains Why Katie Kirk Might Be Hosting a Panel to Explain to People What It's Like to Be Muslim in America. <laughs> you pointed this out to me. Uh, Katie Kirk uh, was hosting at South by Southwest a uh, panel on what life in America for Muslim women. Was it Muslim, just women or all? I think it was all Muslim women. Yeah, I think it was Muslim women, yeah. Uh, can you explain why, the, why a, a, a rich white woman <laughs> who's, who hasn't been touched by anybody except for Matt Lauer in the last 20 years <laughs> would be hosting a panel on what it's like to be a Muslim woman? Uh, I don't know what happened to South by Southwest. <laughs> it's it's like I, I really I remember that being like uh, Spoon would be playing there. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was the Austin the Wallflowers. Indie, yeah, it was like the indie music scene for Austin. And then like a few, you know, they started having films, and I was like, all right, I can get down with that. That makes sense. What the fuck is this? Uh, who's so? Wait, so you're buying a ticket for like two hundred dollars, and you're like, yeah, let's you know, let's uh, drink Not some a ticket, beers, Matt, a lanyard, a lanyard, a lanyard, yes, to wear around your neck. Let's party, man. We'll camp out. We'll barbecue. Like yeah. maybe we'll drop some mushrooms, and then we'll go to watch Katie Couric do a panel. Like, oh, what the fuck? This is a, this is the evolution of all once great either music festivals or conventions that are sort of niche. Yeah. Like for real fanboys or fangirls. Like so like Coachella was once an indie indie music festival and arts festival where like people who did jade sculptures would come out and people did like pebble sand drawings would come out, then like you said, indie bands would come out that didn't have a chance to get on labels. And people would go out to the desert, drop acid and just have fun for a weekend. Like a very really like Grateful Dead fish s experience. Mm-hmm. And then it became like Beyonce headline, Beyonce and Madonna headline the acts, and then Coca Cola's in there and Pepsi and all the all the big so bands. Now it's just industry people that didn't pay to go, but they are getting a salary to go sort of yeah. hang, hang out. For and a also while. instead of ten bucks to get in, now it's five hundred bucks for a weekend pass. Well, yeah, because they've driven the costs up because you know. The- well, and also they have they have mainstream they have mainstream acts now. Now you got U two playing. Now you got U two playing at the Coachella. Yeah, so they're all out there lamping, you know. Yes, fucking designer. And there's the there's the uh, the Levi's house and the whatever sponsorship like that it's, uh, and the whole thing and, and there's nobody there's an arts festival that still takes place no one's there Comic Con was once like a complete nerd festival for comic book fans 
And then all of a sudden, the studios started making comic book movies. And so now the studios are in there. The TV networks are in there. Now they're launching film. You know, now they're launching Marvel films there. And they're doing TV shows. Or Netflix is spending $20 million at Comic-Con. All the stars are there. And then all the celebrity fans are there. And it's like, you know, I didn't go to Comic-Con. I'm not a comic nerd. But now it's been completely ruined. Yeah. And then the, the next stage of the evolution is... Now we have to do Time's Up and Me Too <laughs> panel discussions because now it's a Hollywood event and now we have to have like you know, virtue signaling events <laughs> and like culturally impactful <laughs> things. <laughs> you know, and what it, by the way, it once was culturally impactful. Then you destroyed it and now you're just putting fake culture on top of it. Yeah, you took something that was culture and ruined it and now you're just. Uh, now you have Katie Couric talking about what it's like to be a Muslim. So what? I got to be honest, I didn't read the whole article. Of course but, not. Uh, of course not. Uh, so Katie Couric is hosting it. I don't know if she she's had. Do, a- she's doing a whole bunch of female empowerment panels in South by. I mean, my. Um, my first thought was, why don't you find a Muslim woman yes, to right. host it yes. instead of Katie Couric? Um, you mean that famous Muslim uh, NBC host that they don't have? Uh, I was trying to picture one famous Muslim woman. No. Uh, I'm sure MSNBC has like one on the weekend. Adma Lakshmi? I don't think she's I don't Muslim. I don't know if she's Muslim or not. She did have sex with Salman Rushdie. That was pretty close. <laughs> uh, well, so again, you know, one, I don't know, 1.1% of the population is Muslim in the country, so half of that are women, so one half of 1% of the population are Muslim women. And of those women, absolutely no one is attending or even no. aware of this? No, well, like, I assume like 30 women who work for like Warner Brothers who are Muslim attended or, what, or Universal Comcast attended because they had to. Yeah. But it just, it shows the phony, it shows the complete phoniness because they just, there's a conflation now of like, Minority women, ethnic minority, racial minority, Katie Couric. Like, like just, all, as you and I know, women are not minorities. And certainly a white woman who makes $25 million a year reading teleprompter is not a, is not a suffering minority. But because she's a woman, she can also speak to what it's like to be Muslim. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of because I don't feel like she has the slightest perspective on what it's like to be Muslim. I mean, she might, being in, in the media, meet more Muslims than your average woman who lives in suburban America? I doubt it. You think she means more than people in work than live in, in Detroit or Michigan? Well, no, but that's... <laughs> but I think she knows... She can probably speak to what it's like to have your ass pinched by Matt Lauer, you know, and, have to, and not say anything because you want to keep getting $20 million a year, and also Matt Lauer's a pansy, you don't give a shit. Yeah. But I don't think she can speak to what it's like to be a real ethnic minority in this country and the discrimination you might face, I guess, in employment or things like that, which are probably... Legitimate, probably legitimate. I would think. I can't really think of anything she could speak to outside of like what it's like to host a TV show as a woman, or to call, or, or to <laughs> her famous line at the Olympics. You remember was she mentioned how the South Koreans love the Japanese? She mentioned how the prou- how proud when the J- Japan crowd came in at the Olympics. She talked about how South Korea was really like proud of their affinity with the Japanese, mm-hmm. and then she. Got a bunch of letters from Koreans going, no, actually, Japan's our mortal enemy, and they raped and assaulted all our women for like 30 years, subjugated us and enslaved us, and we hate them beyond belief, but thank, but thank you very much. It's just, there's just, I think the funny thing about it is, well, first of all, that they have these panels at South By, which, as you said, was once a culturally relevant festival, music festival, that got completely corporatized and destroyed by mass media. And now they're trying to layer in this like sort of uh, you know m- moral diversity panel discussions all the time to make it seem relevant again. To the to the 
insanity of Katie Kirk hosting a What It's Like to Be a Muslim in America panel. They couldn't even get a Muslim host to host the fucking panel. Well, yeah, and not, not only did they sort of take it over, bastardize it, subsidize it, but now, now it's just an echo chamber for their own bullshit that no one cares about. There, no. There, there's no normal... A civilian patron going there to watch this panel. You don't think when people sign up for the events they want to go to at South by, they did the Katie Kirk talked about her Muslim experience and how. By the way, before we switch to the topic, I have to tell you my one uh, uh, Katie Kirk hosts a Muslim panel in Austin joke, which is that. uh, Do you notice all the package bombs going off in Austin? (laughs) I'm just, I'm just saying their first Muslim panel, and all of a sudden there's package bombs, there's bombs going off in Austin. Not a terrorist joke, just a uh, Katie Kirk Muslim joke in Austin. <laughs> I, that, that, went over, that went over well with the Fox News crowd. So, Matt, let me ask you. Uh, do you watch The Crown with your girlfriend? Do you watch a lot of BBC, a lot of British shows? Actually, The Crown's not even a BBC show. It's a Sony picture show for Netflix. I, I do not. I find anything regarding the royalty uh, incredibly boring and somewhat repulsive and ignorant of history as well. You won't be watching all 12 hour, televised hours of the upcoming wedding between Meghan Markle and Prince Harry? Uh, no, I won't. And I, I find it disgusting. Didn't I'm, you fight and win a war to not give a shit about this? Wow. Wow, Brian. Are, yeah. you, going, are you also down at the border with the militia this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like when people kind of cite stuff that happened in seventeen in like the seventeen eighties. <laughs> we did. I think we have a personal. Affi- people in America love royals. People in Britain fucking fucking love royals. I'm not sure what that obsession is, but American women love the royal family like crazy. So they watch this show called The Crown, and I admit I actually watched. <laughs> I actually watched it. Something about I, my first TV experience I ever remember is watching Princess Diana get married. I was a kid, a kid then, and Princess Diana got married to Prince Charles. And I remember, and I was a little kid thinking, like, A, why the fuck am I up at 2 in the morning watching a wedding? <laughs> it made no sense to me. But, like, it was a big thing here. They were going to televise it. And, B, it looked like she was about to cry. <laughs> it looked like she was really sad. Mm-hmm. She looked, that's all I remember. I was a little kid. I remember looking at her face and thinking, she looks really fucking sad. I think she was, like, 19 or 20. He was, like, 38 and had no interest in her whatsoever. <laughs> I think I was, like, I don't know, 7 years old. And I could still notice that this was, like, a weird thing that like this older man, this younger woman who seemed like she's about to cry and he had no interest in her would be getting they married. They had like no chemistry or anything? Like they looked distasteful for each other. Uh-huh. And it was like, I always picture like weddings like on Hallmark cards. It was always like, all I knew about love was Hallmark cards where a couple staring into each other's eyes and like have their arms around each other. They look loving into each other's eyes. And they saw Charles and Diana and just looked like they had no affection for each other whatsoever. Well, I kind of get why she would be a little bit not into it because, you know, he's like an inbred, weird-looking guy. But yes. uh, you could also uh, be an independent human being and say, uh, I'm not going to do this. I mean, be him or her? Both of them. Well, he was... For, so he, was, he, had a, he had a girlfriend at the time, that ugly, ugly woman he loved, uh, Camilla, whatever her name was. Mm. He had a girlfriend he wanted to marry, but of course, being royal, he had to have his wife picked for him. So he did not want to marry Diana, even though she was a younger, more, attract, younger, more attractive uh, lady. Mm. You thought, for him, like being a goofy motherfucker, you'd think like, wow, because I'm the prince, I get to marry a woman who I'd never get in real life. <laughs> this is a pretty good deal. But they're also fucking weird that they like. He wanted like the older, gray-haired lady he was in love with. I don't know. She was his nanny or whatever the fuck she was. <laughs> but he was in love. With, he was an unattractive royal in love with a unattractive British woman with bad teeth, and that's who he wanted to marry. So he was unhappy too. But the crown is sort of the whole same thing. It's Queen Elizabeth when she was a kid, and it's a big phenomenon. By the way, I believe there are ten movies about Queen Elizabeth every single year, played by 
either Judy Dench <laughs> or Helen Mirren. There's an obsession with <laughs> the so Queen. True. Or Victoria or Elizabeth. There's like people can't get enough of the Queen. Here's the, here's the upshot of the story. The Queen was played by Claire Foy, who was a uh, she's talented in the show. She does a good job of being the Queen, but she was a relative unknown British actress who got cast because she looked kind of like the young version of the Queen, and they cast as her husband, Prince Philip. Uh, Matt Smith, who was a, a mo- far more well-known British actor, he played, Brian will know Matt Smith from Doctor Who and some other shows, right? Nerd out, Brian. Um, I mean, he is a, in, especially in England, he's a well-known actor. He's been on a number of shows, actually other dramas, soap operas kind of shit. So he's a well-known guy. So, of course, he got paid more than her to be in the show. And now in the Me Too, Time's Up generation, there's a backlash against this because, as Variety noted, how can the prince get paid more than the queen? <laughs> as if, <laughs> as if they're real. As if this is a real discussion. As if those aren't just the characters they play on. They play on TV. Yeah, she is the queen, and he is subservient to her, even as her husband, as a prince. So I assume she has the billions, and he doesn't have the billions in the relationship. But in in, in TV and film, you actually pay the person who's worth more on screen, who draws an audience more, yeah. than you do the person who's a newcomer. Yeah, even you if factor she, that into the budget, right? Yeah, even if, like, you know, when Jennifer Lawrence starts out and she's the star of some action film and no one's heard of Jennifer Lawrence, then, you know, the side actor who's been around for 30 years and who's a big name gets paid more than Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, and if the show goes for a few seasons and you become a popular character, then that, that gets adjusted. They have to start paying you more. Yeah. And they, and they can't get rid of you because you're the fucking queen, and the show's about the queen, so you're kind of in a good position. So just like, yeah, Jennifer Lawrence and Hunger Games, first one, 500000 last one, like $40 million. Right. You do pretty well if you go on. So they have this new, there's a new term. I love new terms in Hollywood for uh, gender stuff. It's called salary parity. They're now calling it salary parity. That's equal pay. That's what that means, right? Yes. It used to be was a gender pay gap and uh, pay equality. Now they're calling it salary parity because I think it sounds really benign. <laughs> but the idea is that everybody should get paid the same, basically. Who's in the front line of the crew of, the, of, the, of the, uh, the cast should get paid exactly the same. In life or just in a TV show? In a TV show. The whole cast gets the exact well, if you're same. Well, fr- if you're a frontline cast, you're one of like the four or five main players, you should get paid, men and women should get paid the same. So he, she, no one should get paid more than her, is basically what they're saying. They all have to make the, an equal amount of money. If they're similar, if they're similar level characters. Me, so. Jack Nicholson. No. Uh, if Jack Nicholson and uh, Angelina Jolie were in a movie, they would have to get paid the same. But if I was one of the supporting actors no you would get you Bo you would have to get paid the same as another supporting actress okay regardless of how much weight but if you, it was like an ensemble thing uh, we're, we're saying the same thing it is an if ensemble I was cast. in an ensemble cast as yes. one of the leads with Jack Nicholson and Angelina Jolie we'd all have to get the same amount of money yes uh, but you would ha- obviously you would have to be an A-lister to be in the same the same position no there's un- unknown sort of relatively unknown people yeah that- that's true on TV shows that's true in movies not so much but in TV shows you're yeah. right so yeah so Jennifer Lawrence in her first Hunger Games would have to get paid the same as whoever the guy Donald Sutherland right who's a well who's 50, been acting for 50 years and been in 80 movies he's mm-hmm. a well known face in Hollywood right so we'd have to get paid the same even though she just got cast in her first movie if she was the lead it's kind of like the whole like, concept is you're doing the same amount of work and you're, the sa- and you're the importance to the story. I mean, they're like, the crown is about the queen. She plays the queen. How could she get paid less than some guy who has less screen time and is less important to the central story without any sort of recognition to, like, no, he's not a big star, but he's 10x star to what she is. 
in terms of bringing audience in. Yeah, I mean, this could really affect art and and the quality of our culture because if this uh, idea were to uh, you know succeed. If I'm Tom Hanks, and you know, I personally like watching Tom Hanks in movies. I enjoy his uh, whenever he does something. Yeah. If I'm Tom Hanks, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to do a character study movie where I'm essentially the only lead because I don't want to share all this money <laughs> with these four other people that are fucking not bringing any fucking audience to this movie that are that are replaceable. You know. Well, we talk. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence is a great example because in her first few movies. Even when there were big movies, and David O. Russell's movie, uh, uh, Hustle, was American Hustle, whatever it was, she got paid less than Bradley Cooper in a couple of those movies. She was in with Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper was a bigger star. Now, Jennifer Lawrence in Red Sparrow and Passengers, she got paid more than uh, Gar- uh, Chris Pratt. She got paid in Red Sparrow more than anybody else by far because she's a bigger box office star. She draws audience. It's not about male-female so much, although I will say females are worse negotiators, <laughs> so they have been screwed on that. But in terms of what they draw, it's just that there's a bunch of MBAs with financial degrees who crunch the numbers and have determined what everybody's worth in terms of their audience draw and their likelihood success, financial success of a movie or a TV show. And that's how you get paid. In fact, when agents put out, for A-list stars, when agents put out like what they should get paid, they have a binder. Athletes, too, when athletes negotiate contracts, they have a binder, like a thick binder of economics and finance that show exactly what their client is worth to the bottom line. And they're like, okay, this player or this star is worth $39.5 million to your movie based on these stats. So we want $15 million. Yeah. You know, and this other guy's worth $60 million. So we want 30, Matt, Matt, Will Smith. So he gets $35 million. It's a fairly black and white economic argument for who gets paid what in movies. So is Variety saying that Jennifer Lawrence, that her salary should be reduced in the uh, no. Red Sparrow type of movies? No, they're just saying they should be the same. They're saying they should be the same. And so everyone gets $40 million? Is no, that what they they're saying? Obviously, they can't do that. <laughs> so they got to pay the top people. I mean, this is like essentially, socialist, essentially socialism or communism. Yeah. I mean, this is essentially saying that like it's the work effort that matters and not the actual... You're not, not your worth, but actually your work effort. Right. So everyone who works for six weeks shooting the film where everybody works on the TV show should get paid the same basically because it's the only way to keep discrimination from happening. Seems like a really horrible idea expressed with the benign term like salary parity which are you for salary parity? Of course everyone's for salary parity. I have no idea what the fuck it means. Right. It sounds like oh for, are you for fairness? Yes I want, I want <laughs> fairness. I mean if this happened then, then A-list actors I feel like we just start haggling over who's considered a lead or a support. Like they're like, okay, so write like of course. one extra line of course. into this so that I have two more lines and this other guy because I don't want him making the same amount. Of course, they're going to get deals. Just, it's just a, this is like trying to take, take stop hedge fund managers from making a lot of money. They're just going to find a new way to get the money, right? Yeah. So they're going to like their salary will be the same, but they're going to get side deals for extra money for something else. Produ- they're going to get produce insist on producer deals and points on gross shit like that. Will Smith and all these guys are still going to demand more money for their movies. They're not going to get paid the same as uh, five, Michelle Williams who makes $500,000 a movie. It's just not going to happen. It, it, seems, it seems ridiculous. And they're going to ruin the fucking crown. <laughs> Matt Smith is going to leave. He's going to leave the crown. Brian, you know what Matt Smith is. Yeah. Um, the, um, the Arizona Coyotes goaltender. Thank you, Brian. Right, that was good, Brian. <laughs> Different Matt Smith. No, you know what Matt You're a Doctor Who fan. Uh, Matt, let me ask you. Uh, I know you insisted uh, for this podcast on having an inclusion inclusion writer. I mean, inclusion. Think about all the words that a year ago we never used ever. 
salary parity. Inclusion is another one. Inclusiveness, mm-hmm. which I don't even, still don't understand exactly what it means. Uh, but it's a word that everyone's using, inclusiveness. It used to be diversity. They replaced diversity with inclusiveness. Were you aware of this? Uh, no, I, I just heard the term uh, for the first time a couple of days ago. Yes, a, a brand new term. Uh, you have to be inclusive if you want to be part of Hollywood now. So now, uh, uh, Frances McDormand, did you watch the Oscars? Some of it. Yeah, so she announced to everybody that she just found out after she won her Oscar that there's something called an inclusion writer in Hollywood you can ask for. I think SAG, I think SAG actually negotiated this a long time ago for their actors. So anyone can ask for an inclusion writer, which means if you're a cast in a show or a film, and you don't like the, the uh, they, don't, they don't properly cast a diverse, racially and ethnically diverse cast, you can opt off the show or the film. And I, so I just learned this also. And that doesn't even really sound exactly like what inclusion writer means, but, but that's cool. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, no one has ever, to your knowledge, uh, utilized this. Uh, uh, I think they, they may have asked for one, but they've never actually left If they've production. done it, they've done it symbolically on, on movies and shows that we're going to have a high, diver- high racial diversity anyhow. Yeah. So, like, yeah. So, like, you know, maybe uh, Jimmy Fox asked for it on a movie about... A black a black cast movie, where it's not going to matter anyhow. But just to ensure that it's not white, they don't. You have white guys playing black people. I mean, it doesn't. No one. And first of all, it's been around. It turns out for decades. So SAG, SAG insisted a long time ago. No one's used it, so obviously it's not really re- it's not relevant. But now, yesterday, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck announced that their production company would be insisting on inclusion writers on all films on all films they produce. Which I don't even know what that so means. So that will change absolutely nothing ever. It'll change nothing ever because you don't have to be part of a film already. That ha- so what they're saying is like Michael B. Jordan, who's now a huge star, obviously after Black Panther, you can't cast him now in a movie. He's going to have an inclusion writer, so therefore don't expect to cast him in a movie that's a, a pre- predominantly white cast or all white cast. Uh huh. But he never needed to be in those films anyhow. It's always been a choice, regardless. But now he's just it's just it's just a massive new virtual sig- signal that like. In the last week or so, especially since the Oscars, every single person has announced they're now going to demand it. <laughs> like, they haven't, they, this is like the people who didn't know about Weinstein, what Weinstein was up to. They're now going to, like, how could Frances McDormand, a really super intelligent, very progressive, outspoken feminist woman who's been working in Hollywood for 35 years, not have known about the inclusion writer if it was so, it was so important, right? Yeah. Plus, these are all people that could just leave a production anyway. And it wouldn't really affect their careers. No, she. I assume Chris, I mean, this is this has got to happen before you start production because yes. you know you start filming, right? It's after cast when when casting is set, right? So yes, and again, she is more woke than any single person in Hollywood, and she knows nothing about the inclusion writer. <laughs> it's just like the levels to which like people and I mean it's so ridiculous. Like either either you're a either you're a moral person or you're not, right? So either you believe in you believe I mean, you're in favor of diversity or not, right? Not that you're going to force diversity in the cast, but that you're not going to be a racist. Either you're a racist or you're not a racist, right? And there's a reason why, not, there's non-sort of evil racist reasons why you might cast more white people in your movie or show, traditionally, was because otherwise, by the way, Germany would not take your, <laughs> Germany would not take your movie. It wouldn't do well overseas. Right. And Will Smith was really one of the first black actors who started doing well overseas. And then they put Will Smith in every fucking movie. And Denzel and, and everybody else ever, you know, ever since. Jamie Foxx, everybody else. They all do well overseas now. But for a time, it was really hard to get black people in movies because they just didn't sell very well in the U.S. and overseas. And now that's changed a lot. 
So there was a reason why people wanted white lead actors in their film. It wasn't because they hated black people. It's because they wanted to make... What people don't understand about Hollywood is it's all money. That's the only thing people care about is money. Like, whatever makes the most money is what they're going to do. And in any business also. Yeah, but it's also the reason why now they're making tons of films, why, why the black population is overrepresented in Hollywood. Right. Because there's a demand for black, for black, con- for black content on network television. And else. So the, the idiocy in which Hollywood, like, runs to signal herself, like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, who I assume partied on Weinstein's yacht, like, every other weekend, <laughs> are now insisting upon, like... The inclusion, right? Wouldn't you love to be in a world where you could just be, like, considered a... a by, by the way, if this was a year ago, Harvey Weinstein would have had insisted he was doing inclusion writers in all his movies. Oh, yeah. And would have won an award. Would you love to live in a, in a bubble where you could do shit like this and, and receive awards and be lauded for fake, fake morality while you're banging the nanny and, doing dry, and, and, and being a gambling addict and an alcoholic? That would be awesome. That would be, that's sort of my dream, really, if I think about it. Uh, the fact that like nobody calls them on this shit, and they're like, you know, and then, then all the all the media buys into this. Like, look at the inclusion rider they just added. So, so the level of idi- the level of idiocy. Like, I, I think you have like Trump and people on one side, and the and the idiot chart. Like those people on the idiot extended idiot chart, and then you have like the people who hate Trump, the rea- the, 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 the 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 resistance to Trump, idiocy on the other side. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot more benign form of idiocy, but it's definitely... Well, yeah, they're not bombing anybody. It's definitely equally stupid. I think, there is a, I think there is a malevolence to it, though, only because people take it, will insist on taking it too far, and it actually hurts people in employment and shit like that. Yeah. There's lots of stuff going on that really hurts people in employment. Our final segment today, Panties in a Bunch, Matt. What has my panties in a bunch? One day at a time. I know you only go back to 80s movies. You don't go back to 70s. So you've never seen a 70s TV show. Did you like the... you never seen the Norman Lear shows in the 70s? Oh, uh, no, I haven't. Like I the Archie, Archie Bunker, All in the Family, Archie Bunker, uh, One Day at a Time. Norman Lear was amazing in the 70s because he actually did like completely liberal, liberal, progressive like TV shows that weren't seen as that. Like just completely subversive. They weren't politically correct. They were politically incorrect, right. and they made fun of, like, uh, you know, sort of uh, Republican conservatives, but in such a subtle way, like, such an intelligent way, that it didn't piss anybody off. Like, the, 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 you know, the ladies in Nebraska didn't write hate letters about it and stuff like that. So, like, all in the family, if you look at it, it's just ripping. Archie Bunker is your Irish, Catholic, white guy who just gets ripped on because he can't stand the fact that blacks and Jews are moving into his neighborhood <laughs> and gay and he meets gay guys, you know, through his like a hippie, hippie son-in-law. And this, the, it's a level and he's lovable, like he's lovable, but he's a racist. Right. And the way he takes him down in that, sh- in that show is like so powerful. If you ever watch it in terms of like what came out of the sixties and seventies in terms of like, by the way, if you think like this guy, you're a fucking caveman idiot, <laughs> but like, we're not going to do it in an obvious way. We're just going to let you know that like, being progressive is smarter than, than being a reaction, being a reactionary. It was, right. it was so amazing. Oh, Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what has my panties in a bunch, Matt. One day, one day at a time, the show, it was a Norman Lear show in the 70s about, he was very progressive, about a, fem- a non-male, there was no, the dad was dead or divorced. It was a woman raising two girls in a family in somewhere, and it was like, her life is like, you know, there was a new pheno- social phenomenon, being a divorced mom, single mom, raising two, like, teenage girls. Valerie Bertinelli and Mackenzie Phillips were her daughters. One would go on to marry Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> that was Valerie Bertinelli in real life. 
And one would go on to be a, a sort of drug addict uh, kid of the, uh, Phil, the, uh, the Wilson Phillips family. <laughs> that was she was one of the moms and papas? Uh, she was the niece of John Phillips and also, uh, I believe, involved in the whole incest thing and then the drug addict at some point. She had sex with her dad. I think she was the one who had sex, either with sex with her dad or uncle, something like that. They were like the communal living family <laughs> with some weird shit going on. <laughs> Uh, but the show was very progressive for the time. Now it's a now they've redone it again. Of course, rebooted the show as an all uh, Latino family uh, with a gay son and a Latino 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 family, and it's the same idea. But they're, now they're struggling, progressively struggling against the fact they're gay and Latino. <laughs> so it had to be. So here's what pissed me off. So the right, the producer of the show, the showrunner. Uh, tweeted out excitedly about announcing season two of the cast and like that, and just listed her cast by the racial, ethnic, and sexuality components. <laughs> like literally, like we are sixty percent people of color, eleven percent, uh, whatever it was, seventy-two uh, all female directors, hundred percent female this, uh, gay, twenty-two percent LBGTQ. And even mentioned like one, disability, somebody with disabilities, something like that. So these are just like faceless people. Face uh, stats and just stats, and we're like, yay, we're awesome. Like, yay, we're awesome. And I got in a fight with them because I said I'm not against gay people. I'm not against women. I'm not against people POCs. Excuse me, POCs, people of color. Which, by the way, when I looked at the cast photo, it did not mean black. I thought it meant black, but it was just I think it meant Latino uh, as people of color. Because uh, there are very few, seem to be very few black employees. Uh, and by the way, never, ever, ever Asian Americans are never they're never included in these categories. They got fucked in Hollywood like nobody's business and nobody cares. Uh, and I said, look, you know, this is like racist. You're being racist because you're literally defining your your employees by their race and their gender and their sexual identity, which is what people of color and 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 and, and homosexuality fought for for years to stop being yeah. done right. In fact, the Civil Rights Act and the EEOC insist that employers not account for the race or gender or sexual orientation of their employees. You're not even allowed to know that in terms of sexual orientation. You're not even allowed to ask that. But somehow they're praying this shit, and they wrote me back and said, the producer wrote me back and said, no, this is a great milestone, and these are all talented, high-skilled individuals, who, and this is a great moment. I'm like, why don't you write that? <laughs> why, like, why don't you write, like, we have all these talented people, instead of saying we have 62% female, we have 73% people of color. It pisses me off that, like, people that are battling racism in their own mind don't understand how fucking racist they are when they take people down, when they see their employee, their 25 employees of cast, simply by minority status as being this, this wonderful thing. And that's how they're identifying them. Isn't that equally as racist in your mind to people who view the world the same way, but even more maliciously, obviously, but view the world through the exact same prism? Yeah, I think so. And then to me, it's like, well, you know, as a white guy or white person. Wait, you're um, a white guy? I, oh, <laughs> fuck. Change the stats, Brian. I had you down as my POC, dude. No, I, I don't think I would. <laughs> I can still keep you as a, 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 a LGBTQ rights. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, let's check that box. Change the stats, Brian, on the, on the, on the No, the I'm show. not saying I want to be a stat, but I'm just saying I feel like a person that would write that would then look at me and not give me a fair shot at employment. Well, that's one thing. So clearly, like, it didn't say we're th- proudly 32% white male. They weren't mentioned. They weren't mentioned. So clearly, you're, you're disrespect. You're, you're, just completely, you're basically saying the white males, you know, by exclusion or not, don't count. Right. And you're yay. They don't deserve a yay. <laughs> they, don't, they don't get a wahoo from you for being white male. So you're clearly labeling them as secondary characters in your whole little drama you're running your life there. Uh, 
Yes, and also white males. Obviously, you're going to think twice about applying to the show because, A, a you're a small percentage of the population to begin with for the jobs. But second of all, clearly you're not being valued the same as a minority because minorities get yays and awesomes, and you get and you get nothing. Right. And I'm not. I, I never people are like always. Write, here's the thing: people always write back on Twitter. Oh, I see you're a champion of white males, or oh, white males finally lose their privilege, and now they're all upset. No, that's not actually it. I, I could care less if you had 100 percent people of color, especially on a show about Latinos. I expect they're going to have a heavy Latino cast and crew. Right. It's the way you present this stuff as like a completely... They don't see the, uh, that they're presenting this the exact same way racists present information, which is like, yeah, I got some gays at the office, got some homos, <laughs> got some black dudes. Yeah, there's a couple spicks at the office. <laughs> uh, my, my, my response was like, NBA teams don't go like, hey, we got eight black guys, three white guys, and uh, I think a Spanish guy. Come see us play. No one does that. Yeah, all, they, all they talk about is their talent. Yeah, it flies in the face of the whole content of someone's character thing, right? Yeah, and nobody... I don't think people see how racist that is. And that, again, I don't even know how you, how would you know what percentage of your employees are gay unless you ask them or you had like a meeting where you're like, all right, everybody, we're going to do this thing. Like, tell me what minority you are. I wouldn't know in this bar, there's probably 25 people in here. I don't yeah. know how many are gay. I personally don't know how many identify as certain, you know, ethnic groups. Yeah. Latina, black. Uh, it's a, Matt, there's a soccer game on. So I'm going to go with. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, a straight-acting Latino. <laughs> yes, yes. 90, 99% of the population of the bar currently. It's a Barcelona game. So. Yeah, that's true. Spanish is really hard to tell with Spaniards. Uh, it just, I, don't, I think this is a word. We ask, like, what's the harm? I mean, what's the harm of this kind of stuff? There is a real harm in, like, fighting racism with racism, I think. Like, that's not the way. I understand that. I, I totally am aware of the historical discrimination against minorities and even even homosexuals and gay people in this town going back years have been historically discriminated against. And I understand there was a need for rectifying that in some manner, even though, again, the, you know, the, your white guy, 30 year old white guy today wasn't a slave owner <laughs> and was never in a decision to hire people in the first place. A 30 year old guy trying to get a job on a TV show has never been even in a position to discriminate against anybody, let alone he may be a very progressive liberal guy. So why you're punishing him doesn't clearly make sense. But I understand the need to have diver- you know programs, outreach programs, opportunity programs for minority writers, minority producers, or grips, or electricians, or things like that. That makes sense to me. But then to then just label like your employees by their racial stats seems entirely demeaning to the process. And as if it implies you're hiring people because they're people of color or because they're LBGQ or they have disabilities, as opposed to they're the best candidate. Yeah, and if you're a, a Mexican person, for example, you know, you hate that when someone says, you know, you just got hired because you're Mexican. You, it's a stigma. It pisses you off, but, you know, this seems to be kind of confirming that in how, this case. How about just saying, like, we have the most talented cast and crew in all of television, and then just, that's it. How about show a photo? We'll, yeah. we'll do the math. Yeah. <laughs> I know that when I saw the photo, that's when I noticed there was almost no black people and not a single Asian or anything. So, in terms of diversity, it is definitely a good thing. I, uh, Matt, you have something you wish to pimp and promote on the show this week? Uh, MattRalston.net, and uh, I'm doing a show, kind of a, I don't want to call it a residency, but every Tuesday at Laser Cat. That's nice. the name of a bar. Um, it's on the Sunset Strip, and it's a free show every Tuesday at 9. Uh, do you have an inclusion rider for your performances? Must there be a certain number of... It's in uh, West Hollywood, right? Oh, yeah. Must there be a certain number of uh, middle-aged, fat Jewish comedians at every show where you will not, per- you will not perform? Well, or is that just guaranteed? I think that's kind of part of it. <laughs> That'd be my inclusion, right? Brian, what about you? 
Not much, really. Um, I announced the Toluca Baseball uh, Pony, not Little League Pony or something. Protect our nation's youth pony. I think is what it stands for. All right, that's this not, is no. really exciting. No, it was. Are you uh, doing? Are you doing all the jobs that Larry Nasser can no longer do now that he's yeah, in, now that he's in prison? He left a big <laughs> vacuum, so I'm taking advantage of that. Uh, like, if you want to see Brian like a hundred young boys, <laughs> go, out to, go out to Toluca. Hundred boys in uniform in uniforms. Uh, in tight, tight spandex. I uh, go out and see Brian. <laughs> you never, you can't catch me anywhere. They say check out my uh, site, Terrible Words. If you want to read eight thousand long word essays, I think I need to be medicated at some. I think I need to be medicated at some point. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good stuff. I'm like, writing I like longer it. than I did anything I ever did in college. <laughs> in college, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is Lex. I want to thank Rocco's Bar. Thanks, Rocco's. Um, Viva Bar. Viva Barcelona. I think are they rooting for or against Barcelona here? Uh, I don't know. I would I would love to do a whole sh- I would love to do a whole show on soccer at one <laughs> soccer, <laughs> my feelings on soccer at one point. Eyes Lex last minute. Talk to you next week.